Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Nick. You don't know me. Um, have you ever had your expectations disrupted in a way that was good, but also confusing? Like, you thought you had a person figured out or a situation figured out, and then suddenly something totally disrupted what you thought you knew. And then, even though this person or situation is better than what you thought you knew, you're also suddenly really confused. Um, my wife, Brittany, and I have been watching the show Twin Peaks. Um, I have a scene I want to share from Twin Peaks that gives a sense of what I mean. Um, this is from early in the second season. Uh, what you're about to see, this guy sitting down is Albert. He's an FBI forensic specialist who's come to this small town to help solve a murder. Uh, and every step of the way, Albert is super rude to, like, everyone in this town. Um, he thinks... You know, they're just a bunch of, like, backwards, uneducated yokels. Um, and this other guy is about to talk to, Harry, uh, in the brown. He's the sheriff, and um, he's had about enough of this Albert guy. All right, uh, let's watch the clip. Sure. Oh, by the way, you were shot with a Walther PPK. It's James Bond's gun. Did you know that? You're looking better today, Coop. Thank you, Albert. Feeling better. The trail of the man who shot you was ice cold, but I hoovered some fibers from the corridor outside your room. My ticket out of Trolleyville. I'll be at the lab, gentlemen. Anything we should be working on? Yeah. You might practice walking without dragging your knuckles on the floor. Albert, let's talk about knuckles. For the last time, I knocked you down. I felt bad about it. The next time is going to be a real pleasure. You listen to me. While I will admit to a certain cynicism, the fact is that I'm a naysayer and hatchet man in the fight against violence. I pride myself in taking a punch and I'll gladly take another because I choose to live my life in the company of Gandhi and King. My concerns are global. I reject absolutely revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of such a method is love. I love you, Sheriff Truman. Albert's path is a strange and difficult one. <laughs> uh, when I when I first saw the scene, I laughed so hard. Uh, not because it's like jokey funny, but there was just this mix of uh, total delight and total confusion. I'm like. What? Like, who, who is this guy? What is this show? Um, I feel like I understood the show less after the scene, but I loved it more. Um, so today is Pentecost Sunday, which is about God's spirit breaking boundaries and spilling out into the world in ways that are new, but also confusing. Um, today's passage is from Ezekiel, who is uh, a prophet in exile. Um, wandering the desert, and he has a series of visions from God, um, this one being the most famous. Um, so it's, it's a stunning image. There's a valley full of bones. Uh, it's a defeated army. This is a time when the Hebrews had been conquered by Babylon, and it was a common practice of empires at the time to defeat an army, and then to really put salt in the wound of the people they had just conquered, they would guard the battlefield, with soldiers so that no one could come in and bury their friends and family, uh, to deny them a burial 
and make sure that their body's decomposed in open air. Um, so beyond being just like a horrific image, this was the ultimate curse. Because in those times, if a body didn't get a proper burial, it was thought that the person's soul never got to rest. Um, so this is like, it's like the ultimate form of state terror, right? It's ancient psyops. It's like psychological and spiritual violence. It's violence that extends beyond the grave. So in this image, uh, this Hebrew army, and by the way, this is not, uh, there's no evidence that this actually happened to the Hebrews uh, in this passage. It's, it's explicitly a vision that Ezekiel is getting. Um, so in this vision, uh, there's a Hebrew army decomposed down to the bones um, because they've been denied burials. And then God, in a surprising turn, tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones. And Ezekiel does. Um, here's the text says, I prophesied as I had been ordered. While I was prophesying, there was a noise, a clattering sound. It was the bones coming together. And as I looked, there were uh, they were covered with sinews. Flesh was growing on them and skin was covering them. And yet there was no breath in them. Uh, to me, there's something awesome, but also kind of disgusting about this imagery. Uh, you have bones rattling. Uh, they start to piece, to piece, them, piece themselves together and then flesh is growing on them. Uh, it, this makes me think of lab grown meat, which is a thing by the way, uh, right here. Um, if you're new here, you didn't know this exists, uh, welcome to dystopia. <laughs> uh, there's something uncanny and creepy about flesh growing on its own. And I would suggest that the uneasy feeling that you and I are having right now about this image could be similar to how the original audience of this story would have heard the idea of flesh growing on these on these skeletons. Um, let's get that image out of here. I don't want to keep looking at that. No one wants to look at that. Um, okay, so uh, I should say at this point, in ancient Hebrew, breath and spirit are the same word. So I actually uh, had the word switch, switched out in the reading. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reread that part again. He said to me, prophesy to the spirit, prophesy son of man, say to the spirit, the Lord Yahweh says this, come from the four winds, spirit. Breathe on these dead so that they may come to life. And the passage goes on and says, And you will know that I am Yahweh when I open your graves and raise you from your graves. My people, I put, I put my spirit in you, and you revive, and I resettle you on your own soil. And then you will know that I, Yahweh, have spoken and done this, I declares the Lord Yahweh. So there's a couple different reasons why this is such a radical image. Um, first, there was no concept of the afterlife at this time in ancient Judaism, which comes as a surprise to a lot of us. Um, uh, this is the first time in the Old Testament we hear the suggestion that there's any kind of promise of life after death. So for the audience hearing this, this is something new and also very weird and confusing. The second thing that's shocking about this vision is that according to Mosaic law, which they all would have followed at the time, um, dead bodies are extremely unclean. Um, rabbinical commentators call corpses the father of fathers of all uncleanness. So if you touched a dead body without going through purification rituals, you became unclean. For seven days, 
and you carried that uncleanness around with you. And everything you touch during those seven days also becomes unclean. So the obvious question is, what is God, the holiest being in the universe, doing handling and putting back together unclean corpses? And not like one or two of them, like a whole army of them. And not only is God coming into contact with them, uh, it's breathing God's spirit into them. So it's the most intimate possible connection God could have with these cursed, unclean corpses. And the answer is, it makes no sense. It's a complete reversal, a complete inversion of everything that Hebrews at the time uh, believed in and, and would have expected. It's radically confusing. But it's also radically good, right? Um, it's almost like God is saying, you think you know me. You think you fit me in all the right conceptual categories. But I'm going to show you just how much bigger I am than your ideas. Um, J.R.R. Tolkien has this idea of you catastrophe, which is uh, catastrophe, disruption, chaos, um, unraveling, but with the prefix you uh, in front. Uh, this is a, a good catastrophe, a good chaos. Um, Tolkien uses this to explain the ending of Lord of the Rings. Um, we have a slide for this, don't we? Anyway, um, the end of Lord of the Rings, just as the darkest, at the darkest moment of the climax, when everything looks bleak, everything is riding on the decision of the hero at just the right moment, and the hero fails, does the wrong thing, uh, but suddenly there's a turn of events that in an instant explodes the entire narrative and turns it upside down. Um, and Tolkien uh, uses this idea of eucatastrophe to explain the incarnation and the resurrection, too. Um, God enters the world in the form of a human, dies, and is resurrected. Boom. The narrative is exploded. It's amazingly good news, but we have a lot of questions, right? Um, and here in this story, the Valley of the Dry Bones, the purest thing in the universe, God's spirit, is mingling with the most impure thing in the universe, the dead, um, and in the process promising life after death. So it's like the goodness of God can't be contained. It just it explodes past your categories. And so in, 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 in each of these eucatastrophes, God's goodness uh, is breaking into the world, a world that doesn't have enough categories for understanding that goodness. Um, I have my own experience uh, of negative expectations being that uh, being upended for the better. Um, I used to work at CVS as a teenager in Abilene, and I had this coworker. I'm going to call him Brian. Brian was. Um, it's hard to put it del delicately. He's just one of those. He's. He was just a jackass. Okay, there's just no other way I can say it. He was super annoying. Um, he was desperate to be accepted by others. He was always trying to be funny, and he just wasn't. Uh, that by, by itself would have made him sympathetic, except for the fact that so, uh, so much of the time that he tried to elevate himself to gain acceptance, he did it by putting others down. He teased people. He would tell 
raunchy, offensive jokes that no one laughed at. Um, I remember, I remember one time I noticed him helping this customer and he was being really sweet and friendly. And I thought, Oh, Brian's actually like being a nice guy for once. And then after the customer walks out of the building, he turns to me and he goes, uh, did you see what she was wearing? And he makes a comment to me about how people of a certain body type shouldn't be wearing certain kinds of clothing. So, so this guy was, he wasn't just gross and mean. He was also fake. Okay. He's just one of those people who like every time you're with them, they somehow disappoint you. Even, even if your expectations couldn't be any lower, just keep disappointing. So fast forward five years or so. Um, I'm a delivery driver delivering Chinese food in Abilene. Um, I have an order that I'm supposed to take to the state school, which is a live-in facility for the severely disabled. Um, I walk in, I look at the name on the order. I don't think anything of it. I tell the desk worker, I've got a delivery for a Brian. Uh, in walks who else but the same Brian. And my first feeling is dread. Oh man, I don't want to have to small talk with this guy. And then it occurs to me, oh man, this guy's working here with disabled people. Like, this is, no, this is the last kind of person who needs to be working here. Like, these people need kind, compassionate, understanding people, not Brian. And you know what he says? Um, he's like, hey, dude, what's up? Uh, he's like, he's, he's been working there for a couple of years. And he says, this is the best job I've ever had. Um, and he's like, I never thought I'd have a job where I'm feeding and bathing adult men and women and changing their diapers and I actually love it. Uh, he says, I love working with these people. They're my favorite people. I never would have expected. I feel like, I feel like I'm a new person now. Um, and there's, there's a sincerity to his voice that I haven't heard before. Um, I'm only with him for a couple of minutes, but it really feels like this isn't an act. Um, so I tell him I'm happy for him. I go back to my car. I stare at the steering wheel for a minute and then the tears start coming. There's so many thoughts and emotions. I'm replaying the tape in my head of everything I thought I knew about this guy. I'm totally stunned by this plot twist, this shocking character art for Brian. Um, suddenly I see him as this sweet guy who just wants to love and to be loved. I feel totally confused, but it's, it's the best kind of confusion. And I had this realization that I could have insisted to myself that Brian was just being fake again, right? That, that would have neatly tied up the story. There'd be no confusion, but I would have missed out on this moment of real grace breaking into the world in surprising ways. This little, this little you catastrophe happening out on the edge of town in Abilene, Texas, on a sunny, dusty afternoon. My closely held belief of what people are like and what you can expect of people was challenged in a way that hadn't ever been before. So this morning, I wonder, Vox, uh, what are some ways that God's message of hope and redemption has come into our lives in unexpected or surprising ways? Try to think back. Maybe, maybe you have a story like my story with Brian, when you were surprised by the redemption of a person. 
maybe it was a difficult situation that turned around because somehow people's better natures broke through and surprised you. Maybe it happened within you. Maybe you became convicted about something in your life that needed change. And suddenly you were surprised to find yourself empowered to make that change. Maybe it's someone you never thought you'd be able to forgive. And suddenly you found the grace to let it go. Um, I'd like to invite everyone to take part in a short reflection exercise to end our time this morning. Um, if you'd like to uh, enter able, adjust your posture to be alert, but relaxed and close your eyes. Take a few deep, slow breaths. Think back on a time when you were surprised by grace, when there was a sudden turn of good news. What was your response to the surprise? Did you feel the surprise in your head or in your body? Did you feel an urging to let something go? Did you feel an urging to embrace something new? Imagining the next surprise that you don't see coming yet, what kind of posture, mental, spiritual, physical, what kind of posture would you need in order to be receptive to it? like to end the reflection with a reading. You're welcome to open your eyes and read along or keep them closed and listen. Grace strikes us when year after year the long for, longed for perfection of life does not appear. When the old compulsions reign within us as they have for decades. When despair destroys all joy and courage. Sometimes at that moment a wave of light breaks into our darkness. And it is as though a voice were saying, you are accepted. You are accepted, accepted by that which is greater than you. And the name of which you do not know. Do not ask for the name now. Perhaps you will find it later. Do not try to do anything now. Perhaps later, you will do much. Do not seek for anything. Do not perform anything. Do not intend anything. Simply accept the fact that you are accepted.